Please turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning to read at verses 1 through to verses 12. Let's read together. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the lab- what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its street and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Here is the word of God, and let's commit it to the Lord in prayer. But Jesus, we count ourselves among those who are privileged that we have an access to your word, to your written word. Help us to be good stewards by listening well and by wanting to obey and submit ourselves to it. We ask all this in your name. Amen. This morning, we come back to our study in Luke's Gospel. For two Sundays, I decided to hit a pause button on our study in Luke's Gospel. And instead, I did a two-sermon series on Psalm 126 as a way of helping us to launch into the new year and discern God's will for us as a church and as individuals. And so today we come back to this study of Luke's Gospel. As I have mentioned already that we've been here for a couple of months now. So right from the beginning, let me spell out what it is that this passage is meant to teach us. The passage before us is meant to teach us that commitment to evangelism and mission 
is an absolute essential ingredient of all Christian discipleship. Here in this passage, Jesus wants to tell us that there is a window of opportunity for the offer of salvation to the whole world. It's not yet judgment time. Therefore, if that's the case, now, today, the time that we have, it's urgent for the proclamation of the gospel. That's what the passage is meant to teach us. That if you are a Christ follower, you are called and you have been commissioned to spread out Jesus' good news to the world. And that is an absolute essential ingredient of what it means to be a Christ follower. It is an absolute essential ingredient of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. There are two things that we're going to take away because of the time and I'm conscious of the fact that people are listening on audio. They're not part of the congregation. So I'm going to just limit myself on two points this morning. One is it's a global mission, and that is there in verses 1. Number two, it's an urgent mission, and Jesus tells us to pray urgently. So our passage opens by telling us that the Lord appointed 72 other disciples. I like that word, other, suggesting that these are not the first group of disciples that Jesus has appointed. They are part of other people that Jesus has been appointing in his public ministry. So he appointed them and he sent them before his face. That's what it says in the original language. He sent them before his face, two by two, into every town where himself was about to go. So these are called the 72 others. In other words, they are part of others that Jesus had already chosen to follow him and also commission. So if they are part of those whom Jesus has already chosen, they are therefore characterized by this costly devotion, by this urgent proclamation, and they are sustained by a wholehearted discipleship. So if you want to know what characterized them, it's those three marks, costly devotion to Jesus, urgent proclamation, sustained wholehearted discipleship. And those three marks are a huge challenge to us in our contemporary age, because we tend to have a half-hearted commitment to whatever we do. We do it to tick the box so that we can say, I've done it. But to be a Christ follower is to be able to be devoted, whatever the cost, is to understand that there is urgency in it, and therefore you are to be wholehearted. 
Also, we must notice that they are 72. This is immensely significant because it takes us back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 10. There we find 72 nations of the world. So the point is clear. 72 disciples who are being commissioned to go. And there are 72 nations of the world. Just as Jesus had chosen 12 apostles to go to the 12 nations of Israel. Here, Jesus is, su is summoning 72 disciples who were devoted to him at whatever, the, at whatever cost to go into 72 nations. They were clear that the urgent proclamation is the need of the moment and they were going to walk before him in a sustained endurance until the end of their lives or until he returns so this then shows us that the global mission is what is in jesus's mind now the global mission is what occupies the mind of Jesus as he chose the 72 disciples and commissioning them to the nations that he is concerned about the global mission. In his mind, he has the nations. He has the world, the global community. Notice also that we are told that these 72 disciples were sent to go ahead of Jesus. That's again very significant for us. You see, because it speaks of John the Baptist's ministry. John's ministry sole mission was to go ahead of Jesus and prepare the way of the coming Messiah. That was the sole mandate of John's ministry. So here now, just as John was sent before the Lord to prepare the way of the coming Messiah, here the 72 are being identified and they are appointed and being commissioned to go before Jesus, not to speak of the coming Messiah this time, but to speak of him who has arrived. But not as a judge, but as a savior. That's why I began by saying, here in this passage, Jesus is telling us that there is still a window of opportunity for those people who are outside of his kingdom to receive the grace. Listen to what William Taylor says. This is a global mission by an appointed workforce with a global vision, specifically appointed and commissioned by Jesus to go before in his name. So John the Baptist was commissioned to go before him and announced that he is coming and now he is commissioning these 72 to go and announce that he has arrived. Jesus has arrived. And they are to go across the world. 
that the Messiah is here. Now, I hope you can see for yourself the significance of this. That you and I are being handed the baton that was held by John the Baptist. The baton that John the Baptist took and ran with it, pointing to the coming Messiah, is now being handed down to you and I. Therefore, it's an enormous privilege that we can be amongst those whom we can be part of, we can take John's job, we can be part of the people who comes after John and continue to point in Jesus. The agenda for today and the agenda for you and I is to go ahead of Jesus and announce that he is here. It was John Stott who once said, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. And this fits perfectly with the end of Luke's gospel. So how does Luke's gospel end? It finishes by Jesus saying, take this message of repentance and forgiveness and proclaim it to all nations. How does the book of Acts of the apostles begin? It begins in these words, you will receive when the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this then is a whole trust of Luke in both of his volumes, here in his gospel in Luke, and in the book of Acts, Luke wants to remind us that we are to be global Christians because our God is a global God. We, we need to have a global vision because our God is a global God. He wants us to have confidence. He wants us to have certainty and assurance that the message of Jesus Christ the King is for the nations of the world. Luke wants us to have that as we proclaim the gospel, as we take the baton that was once handed to John to the 72 and now to us. As we take that baton, let's have this confidence. Let's have this certainty and assurance that we carry with us a message for the nations of the world. And it is to be taken to the ends of the earth. So even whatever office block you happen to work on, whatever floor you happen to work on, as you serve there, as you work there, remember that you are the one who carries himself with himself or herself a global mission, a message for the world, a message 
for all people. We need to recognize, however, that there is some uniqueness to the mission of the 72. There is uniqueness of the time in which they were called, and there is uniqueness of the context in which they were sent. Jesus tells them to take no money, but later on he tells them to take money with them. Jesus tells them to keep on moving. In Acts of the Apostles, he tells them to stay put. Jesus says to them, they will have certain powers. And, and, and we know what they did with those powers. However, there is something that is common to us and them. And Jesus is spelling it out here in Luke's Gospel and in Acts. Yes, he emphasized this. And that suggests that this is an absolute essential of Christian discipleship. The urgency of gospel proclamation that every one of us has been called and commissioned to go to the nations across the globe. The message of hope, the message of the arrival of the kingdom of God. So that's what we learn. The first thing that we learn from this passage there in verses 1, it's a global mission. Jesus appointed 72 disciples and he sent them two by two to every town and city where he was about to go. And that 72, number 72, remind us of Genesis 10, back in the beginning of the Bible, of 72 nations of the world. Therefore, this is a global mission. The second thing that we learn from this passage, not only it's a global mission, but it is an urgent mission. Where do we find that? In verses 2 of our passage. It's an urgent mission and we should pray earnestly for it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verses 2. To literally cast out or to throw out laborers into the harvest field. So here the Lord Jesus is telling us that it's harvest time. It's harvest time. I wonder if that's what you sense or feel as you walk around, as you interact with your colleagues, as you, as you look around. Do you sense that it's harvest time? Here Jesus is telling the 72 that it is harvest time. And the need that we have in this harvest time, because the harvest is plentiful, and it's not just any harvest, it's a global harvest, but what is needed is more laborers. Therefore, we are to pray earnestly. That is the word that is used 
when the demon-possessed man came to Jesus begging him for help. We are to pray earnestly and urgently for the Lord to throw out and drive out laborers into the harvest field. So in this time of the window of opportunity for the offer of God's grace to the whole world, you and I are invited to pray. The least that you and I can do is to engage in this earnest and urgent prayer to the Lord to send out workers to the harvest. It is harvest time. I wonder how much that fits with your prayer life. Or asking it differently, how much is your prayer life fits with this? agenda how much of our praying is given out to urgent pleading with god to thrust out laborers into harvest fields i am personally convinced at the beginning of the year personally convinced that if every one of us here everyday people gave ourselves to urgent prayer that the Lord will thrust out laborers into the harvest field, we would see a dramatic change city in terms of the gospel transformation. So the question for you and I this morning, how much does this call of Jesus fits in with your prayer life? Do you take time to pray that Jesus sends out the laborers because it's harvest time. Do you sense the harvest time? Are you one of the laborers? A couple of years, uh, I remember a friend of mine who's, uh, who used to be a businessman, and he, he was telling me that he, he used to start every single day by saying, Lord, Please give me an opportunity to speak for you today. Give me an opportunity to speak for you today. And I, in his late 70s, he says to me, I have been praying this prayer since I became a Christian in my mid-30s. Every day I've been praying this prayer. And never once has God failed to answer it. It's a great prayer to start the day with, Lord presents opportunity this morning to me that I may speak for you. Presents opportunity for me today that I may be the voice, that I may be a channel of hope, that I may be the door to your kingdom. It's a great prayer for you and I to start our day. Urgently, Lord, please send out some laborers. So when last that you have asked the Lord to send out? When last did you ask, Lord, for yourself that God will present opportunities 
for you to speak for him. So we need to be praying together for this mission not only is global, but it is also urgent. And if we're going to see it being realized, Jesus tells us that it is only through prayer. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your reminder, for you reminding us of your mission here on earth that is urgent and that is global. May those two thoughts go with us to the rest of the week. Help us to seize the opportunities that you present to us to carry forth your mission. For your name's sake, amen.